Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Well, God bless you. Um, one of the most difficult things for me to do is to preach. I die a thousand deaths. Because I haven't been preaching too long. I've been preaching, I think, about 40 years. And I go through the same thing every morning. I wake up at 2 in the morning, I'm in panic. And uh, I've always been an introvert. You know, the guy that's in a corner somewhere. I have came out of that because I have a very social wife, as she is extremely social. And, uh, and that's my wife there for 41 years, Miriam Lopez. 41 years, that's a long time. Wow. And um, I, know the, I know Bishop and Pastor Matera for 40 years. What really astonished me about them was when they started, uh, they started this church, Resurrection Church, over not far from here, near the Bay Ridge Christian Center. And they were, they were renting this little small little Pentecostal church, a little Spanish church. And what really blows my mind about that is they would bring in these high-caliber preachers, I mean, worldwide known. And I said, well, how can that be? I mean, I mean these guys, you got to give them $10,000 to come into your church. You know, and they'll preach 15 minutes and they, they're out. But not with him. They loved him and they, and they loved him and Joyce and they would be there. And uh, I would leave Bay Ridge Christian Center and run there. Because that's what they had a lot happening there. And then I remember when we were at Calvary together years ago in Staten Island, uh, we had a, a guest by the name of Benny Him. And Benny Him made a huge mistake. He says, if anybody have any questions, uh, you can, you know, uh, ask me. And guess who had questions to ask? Bishop Matera. Nobody asked Benny Him questions. But he came out, he was in the balcony with me, and he raised his hand, and, and he, I tell you, he asked a profound question. I don't think Benny Hinn knew how to answer that one. And, uh, and so we always knew that he had the gift of, you know, teaching and uh, a profound way. And I, I was reading his stuff at the, in the computer, you know, the website, until, uh, you know, if you want to go further, you have to pay. And I said, wow, man. <laughs> but I, I was getting it free at one time. I was reading this stuff and bringing it back to the program. I, I, like he mentioned, we had a program, a residential program here in Brooklyn by the name of Anchor House. We had 50 men and we had 30 women. We had two buildings. When I came into this setting, they had this little uh, torn down building and they've asked me, would you come and work with us? And I said, absolutely not. I'm not coming in there. You know, I was a volunteer, and I saw what was going on. The salaries were, were ranging from $8,000 to $12,000 a year with no fringe benefits or anything. I had a family, no medical, no, no uh, vacation. And so I said, I'm not, I'm not going there. I was in school. I was going at that time 
uh, um, for my master's degree, and I said, man, I'm bilingual. Can get me one of those state jobs, maybe, and and earn you know sixty, seventy thousand a year with great uh, benefits and everything. But the Lord kept me up and said to me, I, I was up all night, and I, I said, Lord, what is it that you want from me? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go there, and you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. And went in that place, and uh, during the time that uh, the virus kicked out, the AIDS virus, and we seen miracles there. The atmosphere changed because I, I introduced prayer and fasting. We have to fast, you know. I told the staff, we got to fast because look where, look where we're at. We're in a rinky-dink place, uh, and God began to favor us. And before we know it, we got a $10 million building uh, for the men, and we got a $15 million building for the women. And they were living, I mean, really nice. And then we got salary increases. But you know what? Like the pastor said, the bishop said, you got to sow. You know, I'm not going to stand here and tell you uh, God is going to bless you. Well, you, you, if you're a farmer and you pray, God bless me, God is not going to bless you unless you sow some seeds. <laughs> you, can, you can ask him for the blessing. And, you know, and, that, and the Bible says it rains on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Meaning that if the unrighteous sow a seed, there's a principle there that God is going to increase it. You can, you can run around as a Christian and no, sow no seed and plant no seed. You're not going to get blessed. Because there's, there's a principle here that we have to follow. And I'm sure the, the bishop had told you that many times. I'm just, I'm just moving by the spirit here, you know. We have to sow, you see. And so Anchor House, you know, uh, got all kinds of awards from the government, from different ministries. Why? Because the Lord was there and he was operating by power, with power signs and wonders. We have one fellow, I'm going to tell you real quick before I get into the word, and this is all the power of the word. This fellow here, what was his name? This, uh, the one that was stealing the tires, selling the tires out in the streets, Tommy. One day we lived in Flatbush in a tenement building, an old broken down building, Bronzeville. And, and we, you know, I mean, with the salary in the beginning, we lived in a slum. My wife and I lived in a slum, plainly spoken. And uh, one day we were driving uh, in our jalopy that was given to us, you know, uh, and we saw this guy, and I, I was in a rush. I was trying to get to Anchor House, sell, trying to sell some, some tires. So, I mean, this is the way I was talking to my wife. I said, what's this white guy doing out here in this black neighborhood? Trying to, you know, he's creating friction here. He's stopping, he's stopping the traffic here. And, uh, and, and so my wife says, listen, Henry, why don't you, let's pray. You know, stop with your attitude. Let's pray here. And so we, we started to pray for this young man. And, uh, and then a few, a few months later, a few months later, we get a phone call from my brother that works at the Brookdale Hospital. And my brother's a social worker there. And he says to me, I got a guy that he, wants, he, he needs help. And uh, would, you, would you take him in? And I said, well, fine. You know, send him in. He says, well, he's coming in with a social worker and, and a nurse. And I'm thinking, why, you know? 
And, and, and so I'm waiting, and this ambulette pulls up, and, uh, and I'm looking through the window, and, and they bring this guy, they're escorting this guy, he can't even walk. It's Tommy. And Tommy had the virus. In those days, you couldn't, there was no cure for the AIDS virus. And so they bring this guy in, and keep in mind, I have this small little building, and three rooms in those buildings, in that building, we got like eight guys sleeping in each, you know, cramped in bunk beds. And, and, and so here comes this guy. Nobody knows anything about this sickness. People are afraid to sh uh, sit down in the subway train next to somebody that looks unhealthy. And so, and funeral people don't want to bury them. And doctors come in with their mask on and gloves on when they're treating these folks. And so he, so my brother sends this fella, and he, he looks like he weighed about 90 pounds. And he was like, 5'11", and I'm thinking, why did my brother do this to me? He has a nurse, he has a social worker, and they're standing there, and they're saying, uh, uh, you know, he wants to come into this program. And little did I know, he had only two T cells in his body. That means that he had no immune system whatsoever. That means that if you cough in his face, he'll die. And so I'm standing there, and I'm saying, I'm saying the guys, they're not, you know, we don't have, a, we don't have, we, we don't have food that, that, that would, you know, diet food. We, we can't take this brother because we're cramped up upstairs in these small rooms with all these fellas sleeping on top of each other with these bunk beds. And I said, and he said to me, please, take me in. Boy, it's pretty much. I said to him, we'll take you in, but we're going to carry you from upstairs down here every morning for chapel, every morning. And we don't have any special food for you. You might have to eat whatever is here, rice and beans. We didn't have nothing. We were just beginning this ministry. And uh, he says, give me, just give me, a, what was it, a week or two? He said, give me. Give me two weeks, he says. If I don't improve, you can send me back. Little did I know that doctors gave him two weeks to live. And so he, 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 was, he was planning to die there in Anchor House. And so every morning, we had the guys bring him, carry him down for chaplain. He would sit up front, and we would pray the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. We would preach the word and pray over him and pray over him every day. And then about a week later, he started eating. And two weeks later, he started taking uh, doubles, seconds on the food. And he began to increase in weight. And, and that cancer that he had all over his face, because you have all kinds of cancer when you, when you have AIDS because your immune system is down. So that skin cancer just melted right off his face. You see, and, and he just started getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I thought, wow, look at this. And then he was going out for recreation with us. Then he went to school, graduated from school, vocational school. And then, and then he graduated the program. And my God, that was the Holy Spirit, God doing miracles. Now, in the logic, we don't understand that. 
If you're a person that, that deals with your logic, here in America, you're bombarded by all kinds of stuff. See, my, my, my blessing was that when I came to Anchor House, I was in process of going to school. Because I, I come out of the streets, from the slums, from the drug addiction, background, prison, and, and all that. So I had no frame of reference. I didn't, I didn't read about what Plato said or, 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 or these other people said in regards to, 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 to you know, reason and stuff like that. I, the first book I ever read in my life, well, it was the first book was in the streets, is a pornographic book. But when I got saved, the first, the second book I ever read when I was now a Christian, the Bible. And so I read the Bible and I believed what the Bible said. I didn't say, well, what, what about Freud, Freud or, or some philosopher? I don't know. I, I've read this other book, and, and it says that this is not real. And, you know, and the logic, this is the problem here in America. There is no miracles here, very rarely, because we're so full of logic, and the media is constantly contaminating us and bombarding us with all kinds of garbage. And so when we read the Bible, we say, ah, oh, that's a fairy tale. But you know, Tommy made it, got together, finished school. Then he calls me one day. He says, listen, Pastor, I need you badly. And I said, why? He says, my wife found where I live. I said, so why? Why do you need me for? He says, well, I lived in Maryland before I landed in that gutter in that junkyard. He, they picked him up from a junkyard, by the way. And he used to feed the rats. And the rats would protect him. Because in those days, people would burn you up. They will throw the, that, 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 what do you call, that gasoline on you and burn you up if you was homeless. And, and so he says, I was, I, I was there for 15 years in that yard. Because I wanted to pay the price. That's, that's, that's what they gave me, 15 years in prison. I was running away from Maryland because I had mutilated my wife. She was a beautiful woman. I was jealous of her, and she come out of work late, and I mutilated her, and I took off from Maryland to New York, and I felt so, you know, that I, I felt so bad that I, I had to pay, pay the price for this, and now she found me, which means that since the law, you know, they were looking for him, because he had to do at least 15 years for this type of uh, crime, which was a felony, you see. And he says, she's going to be there, and she's, gonna, she's bringing my two kids. And, uh, and I said, wow. He says, please come. So she came in. I was sitting there. I was more nervous than he was. I'm thinking, these cops are going to break down the door, and, and they're going to take me along with him. And, and, so, and, and so she came in, and you can notice that the huge scar that she had in her face all the way down to her neck and I looked at her and he said to her listen I just want to tell you this call the police I deserve what I did to you you know I, I'm not going to run any game call the police I deserve to go to jail but I, let me tell you what happened to me by the time he finished giving her the story my gosh, she broke down and began to weep when he told her that he was healed by God and, he, and, and that he, he's willing to go to jail. You know what? Didn't happen that way. She, she forgave him. And I broke down. I'm a, I'm a crybaby by nature. I broke down and I wept and wept and wept because I saw what God was doing. And he wants to do the same. But we're so contaminated and influenced and bombarded 
by the media. The media is, is, is separating the church with all this politics and all this garbage. And I'm just so sick of it. Sometimes I sit down to watch the news and I get depressed. I have to be honest with you. I'm a news buff. I watch the news. I watch Fox. I watch 700 Club. And then I take a peek at CNN uh, just to find out what they're saying in, con in contradiction to what these others are saying. And so, you know, it's just so bad nowadays. And it's ripping the church. People aren't believing the way they should. And God wants to perform miracles. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to demonstrate his goodness and his power to you. And I'll be honest with you, he will in these last days. We're living in the last days. Now I can say we're living in the last days. There might, they, they, they might not be any tomorrow. This is it. This is it. You see wars and rumors of war, earthquakes. I, you know, I'm from Puerto Rico. I left Puerto Rico five years ago, and I promised my wife I'll never come back to this place again. Because Puerto Rico was a place that reached all the other islands with the gospel. But you go to Puerto Rico now, it's a different place. Two, uh, 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 if, you are, if you're from other religions, that's the place to go to convince the people. If you're Muslim, a Hindu, or whatever you are, you go there because the people are confused anyhow. You see what I'm saying? At one time, Puerto Rico was evangelizing the, all the other islands. And so when I left there, I told my wife, this is what's going to happen to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico have been spared hurricanes, little hurricanes here, but they're going to go through hell. And not only that, I predicted that if they don't repent, Puerto Rico is going to be empty out. And the Navy will probably use it to, 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 to bombard and stuff like that. Puerto Rico, if it doesn't get its act together, the churches are divided they bought into the concept here that America is into and uh, the philosophies and uh, the churches are divided, they're confused. They, don't, uh, they need a man like him. I'll be honest with you. No exaggeration. They need him to go there to Puerto Rico and teach these people the right way to go because they don't know. You see, I wish he goes there. And he, you know, I wish that he goes there and they open the doors for him to, 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 to preach and teach the word. Because believe me, they're confused there. They're confused. They went from one legalism extreme to, a, to liberalism now. And at one time, they, they, they went to swim in the, in the beach, and they had all these long dresses all the way down, and they were all legalists. And, you know, but now they've gone from one extreme to another. Now, uh, now they're drinking. They're at the church. They're going crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna to just read something, and that's it. But let me just say something about resurrection. Resurrection, this is how I this is how I've seen resurrection. And I broke it down. Resurrection under under the leadership of Joe and Joyce, Bishop and, and Pastor, uh, uh, left a legacy that is incredible. They what I remember one time I ran into them, they were in the park doing evangelism. They were out there at Sunset Park. They did these care groups. There was the only, very few churches was doing that. Getting together in different homes and, and getting the teachings. And, and um, I saw them reach out to immigrants, especially on, um, on Thanksgiving. They reach out to children. 
They, they, he has, he has a ministry that ministers to pastors. He's always trying to get pastors to pray together, you see, and to humble themselves with each other and before the Lord. And so I've seen him. I've seen, and one day he preached at Anchor House, and, and uh, there was a fellow that was not going to turn his life over to the Lord. His name was Tierney, big Irish guy. Tierney was not, he'd been in prison, cops hated him a lot. And he came, when he made the altar call, Tierney went up. I felt so good. I said, Tierney, right? he's came to the Lord, praise God. And Tom Tierney, not only that, went to Bible school, praise God. But he got saved. You don't know, I never told you that. But he got saved under your ministry when you came to preach at Anchor House. I was so touched by that. Tom Tierney was a great guy, but he was, a, he was an awesome criminal. He was really mean. He said that the police called him one day, and they didn't want to deal with him anymore, and they threw him off the roof, and he came down, and he fell, on, fell right into one of those fire skates. He said, <laughs> they just didn't want to deal with him anymore. <laughs> and God, God spared that man. But, you know, it, Psalms 42, and the, and the bishop will let me know when my time is up. All he has to do, because I keep watching, if he goes like this, that means... You're, you're God. I just want to share briefly with you. And uh, in Psalms chapter 42, verse 3 through 6, this is what it says. And I, 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 I've, been, I've been on this since yesterday because I felt God wanted to say this to you today. And, and if we read verse 3, it says, My tears, this is the psalmist speaking, My tears have been food, my food day and night. Why they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. With multitudes that kept a pilgrim feast. And then he goes back into his own situation again. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Now he's going through depression. He says, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, and I shall yet praise him for the, for the help of his continence. And so he's doing, now he's get, getting good. And then he says in verse 6, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. It's like a yo-yo. It's like a roller coaster here, right? You, you ever met Christians like that? They, 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 they've saved today and tomorrow they're down and out. You see. And so this is, this is a great example, illustration here. Therefore, I will remember now. I will remember you from the land of Jordan. And then he mentions the heights of Hermon and Mitzah. But I don't want to touch on those. I just want to leave it here so we can just talk a little bit of Jordan. And let me just, let me just say, let me say this. The psalmist, as we read, apparently was going through or experiencing inward conflict, like many of us do. Pain and disappointment, struggle. He was miserable. He was going through turmoil and depression. But in that moment of despair, he turns to God, the God of all comfort and mercy, pours out his heart, 
and receive comfort in that moment of desperation. It is remarkable how the psalmist regained comfort and encouragement during that desperate time. He reflected on God's infallible word and the word of lifted him. The Lord revealed himself to the psalmist through his word, God's word. And, and the word became real and alive and it was quickened to him. The word jumped out of the pages and became a revelation. The psalmist reflected and meditated on three or more significant historical events that took place in the lives of the Hebrew children of God. It is amazing how God demonstrated his kindness and power in the land of Jordan. You see, the, the psalmist calls to remembrance these important and memorable and historical events that took place. You see, the word is a logos, and it turns into the ramos. It becomes a revelation to you. It becomes real to you. Hallelujah. If you're going, if you're going through something, the word becomes alive. Hallelujah. And lifts you up. Faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God. You see, there's no other way. There's no other way that we can receive comfort and encouragement. Only through God's power, through his word. And so the psalmist focused on the land of Jordan. What happened there? Well, the crossing that, you know, the people, the Hebrew people were crossing the Jordan River. And, 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 the, and, and, and this is, and, and, and the Jordan River split like it was like the Red Sea. And they walked across. This was what you call a legacy. And then they, they wanted to, once they crossed over, they, they put, 12 pillars, the Bible says rock, but they're really boulders. And they put it there, so this way, when, 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 the, when, when their children, when they, when they had children, they can bring the children to the Jordan River and say, look what God has done. Do you remember that he, what he did, he parted this place, the water, and he did it when it was most difficult uh, time, when the river was overflowing its banks. It, it, was, it, it was a flood, it, it was in its flood stages. And yet God Almighty parted the, red, the, the Jordan River and they crossed on dry ground. Now the Hebrews were ready to march forward and face some giants that were there on the other side. Isn't it interesting that God chooses to move in our lives when it is most difficult? Hallelujah. Because he wants to teach us that he can do it, that all things are possible through him. Hallelujah. So what do you remember? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there, but I'm going to tell you a story. I got 17 brothers and sisters. Maybe more. I'm be meeting new ones from time to time. My father was a, was a traveling preacher. <laughs> he said he said he said that during that time when he would go out to preach at the church in Puerto Rico the 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 the, the, the buses weren't running at a certain time 
So he would stay in these brothers' house. And these brothers had wives. And so this is how it happened. I, I just met a sister a few years ago. 17 brothers and sisters that we know about, you see. And so one day he called. My father was an evil man. For, for somebody to do something like that, that's evil. You're playing with God. But my mother has seven boys. And not far from us, down the block on Morgan Street in Brooklyn, there was another family there. And if you take the, if you, if you take the plane and go to uh, uh, Florida, there was another family there. So you have families all over the place. And so one day he calls me. I got to share this with you. And I'm going to leave it there. He calls me and he says, do you know that your brother is in a coma and he's been in the hospital and they gave him two more days to live? I just felt like, felt like saying to him, listen, brother, I don't know nothing about that part of the family. I try, you know, but they're extreme people. They're into extreme capitalism and they know I'm Pentecostal and, and, and they don't, you know, they don't want to socialize with me too much. So I told my wife, I said, I don't know why this man calls me. She says to me, thank God she's my conscience. He says, we got to go to the hospital. So we get there, and they're in the lobby, all of them. And we get there, and we, and we said, uh, how's he doing? They said, uh, he's going to die in two days. We're planning the funeral. We're planning the funeral right now. And, uh, and the priest is upstairs. He just gave him his last rite. Doctor was just here, told us plan for the funeral. So what, what are you came here for? I said, I came in the name of Jesus. We came to pray for him. You see, my wife, I don't know if you know, she was in a coma. She died and God, she had brain damage and God restored her. So now we're going on what we remember, what God did. You see, so we go in. So, so they, this is what they told us. They said, listen, don't, they told us, listen, don't come with that stuff here. We're planning, we're planning, don't give us any false hope here. We're planning a funeral. Don't come with this stuff here. And, and, and so I told my wife, let's get out of here. You know, the old pride came out. And she says, you can't do that. We got to go upstairs and pray for him. So as we're going upstairs and pray, I felt like one of those guys that go into a store and they think you're going to steal something and they follow you around the store. <laughs> so they, they were following me up to the room. And guess, the, guess what my brother's name is? Jesus, I didn't know how to pray for him. What a docility these Puerto Ricans have to name their son Jesus. So what name are you going to pray for? So, so we, we go in there, and my wife says, speak to him, because I used to hear you when I was in the coma. My wife was in the coma for a long time. Some kids driving 70 miles an hour, clocked by the police, hit us head on, smashed our car, had plastic surgery, had internal bleeding. She had brain damage. She died. You see, they had to bring her back to life. They thought that she'll never recover. They were planning one of those places. And to top that, she was pregnant. So they told her that the baby didn't receive oxygen. And they gave her all the, all the specialists came around her bed and said, you have to. Once she started coming out of the coma, they said, you have to abort. 
Not only the baby's going to be deformed, the baby's going to be brain damaged, and not only that, your life is in danger. You have to. And so we prayed, and God gave us a word. What was the word? Matthew 18, 19. Jesus is speaking. He says, Wherefore I say unto you, whatever you agree on earth, where is touching anything, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. To make a long story short, they talked about the family taking, they said, this guy's a fanatic, he hates you, he's going he's gonna to jeopardize. It wasn't me. I was just agreeing with her. She was saying she didn't want to lose the baby. To make a long story short, she recovered. We had a baby boy who fought the war in Iraq. He fought in Iraq. You know, they, Trump, President Trump just took this punk out and killed him. You know, that, that guy killed a lot of people on the roadside with a convoy and the, and the supply trucks were passing. And my son was security force that was guarding them. And my son didn't get killed. But many, he saw many people get killed. You see, those bombs. And so my son is in, he went, to, he, he went to war, he fought for this country, he went on two tours, he did eight years, he's doing great, praise God, and uh, God, he's in great shape, hallelujah. And so here it is, we go up to my brother's room in the hospital, his name is Jesus, so my wife says, speak to him, because I used to hear you speak when I was in a coma. And I, we spoke, we said, it's in the name of Jesus. We declare right now that you're healed right now in Jesus' name. Not in your name, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and you know what? He opened his eyes and he winked at my wife. I was ready to pull him back in the coma. <laughs> He's doing tremendously well. He's in Florida. He's, he owns his own barber shop. And when he calls me, he calls me. He says, uh, 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 how he's give me a blessing. Give me a blessing, Father. Give me a blessing. That's what he says. So I pray over him because he knows. Now, when I got back to the family that were in the lobby, they didn't even talk to me. They were angry. Why do you think that? Just when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, those hypocrite, religious hypocrites were standing by, and they were angry. Every time Jesus performed a miracle, they were angry. They were hot and hot people that didn't receive it. And so he got healed. My brother got healed, completely healed. And he's doing great. <laughs> Praise God. I just want you to stand with me. I want to pray for you. Turn it over to the pastor. Because I don't know if you know, but I, I looked over and he did, he did look at the watch about five minutes ago. <laughs> I, and so I just want to pray. I, I don't know exactly what you're dealing with, but I do know what I just said to you, that God spoke to you. I, I don't know you personally because I've been exiled of this place 10 years ago, but the pastor brought me back to Staten Island to be there with the group there. I'm over there in Staten Island. But I used to love coming here. I've always loved this place. I always loved what Joyce and Pastor, uh, pastor Joyce and, and, and Bishop Matera, Joe Matera is doing here.
we trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.